how much do you want to be yourself? And the hardest path to walk in life is being yourself, mm -hmm. right? Welcome to Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias through conversation. I'm Annie Rogaski. If you follow Unraveling Pink on Twitter, then you realize that last week we took a bit of a bye week. If you don't follow Unraveling Pink on Twitter, then I would ask you why not? You should follow Unraveling Pink on Twitter. We not only uh, tweet out all of the new episodes, but also some interesting articles that we share, and we amplify the voices of those who are in this space and doing great work. So check it out. We're at the handle Unraveling Pink. So as you know, last week was a bye week, and this was in large part because I ran into some of the worst technical difficulties that podcasters could run into, which is an hour and a half conversation that Sam and I had that said it was recording, did not actually record. So my stomach dropped when I got to the end and it didn't show up. Because we're trying to record around current events, articles that come out, we're doing this a bit on the fly. So uh, losing that content with schedules and things like that, it was not something we could quickly recreate. But as I reflected on that and was a little frustrated that that content was not recorded, I reflected on the conversation that Sam and I had, and it was a hard one. So I tweeted through the Unraveling Pink handle the article that Sam and I were talking about. It's entitled, Enough Leaning In, Let's Tell Men to Lean Out. This is by Ruth Whitman uh, at New York Times. And I invited listeners to spend the week, instead of listening to a podcast, reading the article, talking with someone of another gender about it. And the reason I encourage this is because this was probably the hardest conversation that Sam and I had. So I was a little unhappy that it didn't record, but I was also a little relieved because it, I think, would have shown how difficult it is sometimes to come at these issues, how every day we come at these issues in a different way. We are impacted by our own experiences, by the things that we read, by the conversations that we have. I say this because a big part of what Sam and I are trying to do with the podcast right now is model the conversations and help all of you see a way into these conversations. But these conversations are not easy to have. And you've heard Sam and I struggle with these along the way. I would encourage you to try to have your own. You'll run into problems, you'll have hard conversations, they won't be easy, but the only way for us to move these things forward, I think, is to have those hard conversations. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had a number of conversations with men that um, maybe objectively didn't feel like they went well, um, but I learned from them, and I hope they learned from them too. So I encourage you to start having your own conversations if you haven't already, and I would love to hear about them. If anyone took the challenge of last week and read the article and talked with someone of another gender about it, I would love to hear about your experience. So with that, uh, here is this week's episode in which Sam and I talk about the topic of friendship. Here it is. 
been talking about the man box in guy code mm -hmm. for as long as I can remember. Um, what's the girl code in terms of uh, like friendship and stuff? I don't know. You don't know where the girl code is? I don't know if there's a girl. I, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask because I, I spent my time growing up mostly with guy friends. Mm -hmm. I wasn't good at girlfriend relationships or friendships back then. And I don't know. Because there was a, a code that girls operated and wasn't working for you? Or the code that guys uh, related to each other with was more your style? Um, I had a lot of bad experiences with friendships with girls growing up. It was always like a two-on-one kind of thing. I was always in this group of three friends, and somehow they would always turn on me, and I never quite knew why. So maybe there was a code, and I didn't know what it was, mm. and I violated it unwittingly, and that's how I ended up on the outside of the friendships that I had. Guys are easier. How much of yourself did you reveal to those friends? Like oh gosh, deep down, like the secrets and the what makes Annie tick, and um, were you vulnerable with them at all? Back then, I don't, I don't know. So probably not. Probably not. Okay. It was probably mostly most of my friends were on my sports teams. Yeah. So I played a lot of sports, and so. So the other two friends were closer, knew more about one another than they knew about you. I don't know. Might that be the reason why they turned on you? Because I don't they know. there's also a lot of like they didn't teenage girl angst and drama and there's a lot of negative stuff that goes on among girls as teenagers. I read about this in just quick preparation for what we're talking about today, and um, one thing that I read that I wanted to get your opinion on was that. Friendships between women and, and girls, they learn that um, they're, first off, we've talked about how those friendships are very rewarding and fulfilling, and the differences between male relationships and friendships between women. Mm -hmm. Part of what makes women close friends is the stuff that they reveal to one another. Yes, It that is, is those true. secrets. Yeah. The problem is oftentimes those secrets become weaponized. As you're saying that, I am thinking that that probably is what happened. That yeah, like you back in your teenage years, it's your vulnerabilities are pretty much who you like. Like that's all that I remember girls talking about going to movies and dances and who did you want to dance with and stuff like that. And so it was always really largely male focused but then that information could be used there is that sharing but is that sharing respected as a confidence or is it used and maybe maybe it was used maybe that's what went wrong I don't know or the fact that you weren't offering up too much maybe yeah and they couldn't trust you really they couldn't just I don't know I'm just asking <laughs> do you think that might be the case maybe yeah, I've not, were, they, I've not always you, been a big sharer. Okay, because you're guarded. They, yeah. They, yeah. It could be. It could be it. They didn't feel that they were close to you. Maybe. I was I was talking with someone, a, a good friend of mine recently, about competition among women, mm -hmm. and how we both 
enjoy competition and thrive on it. And it's a part of our friendship. But we don't feel like we can be that way with other women, that it's not received well. And so part of the girl code might be no competition. Thinking back to like high school, where that might show up is you don't, you don't go after the person that I'm interested in, for example. You don't compete with me for attention or love interest or whatever, whatever it might be. But I grew up playing sports and you compete in sports. And I grew up with brothers and we competed with each other all the time. So maybe I didn't understand that girl code back in the day because competition was such a part of my everyday existence. So obvious competition. Like you can't you can't yeah. go after same with guys, you know, you don't know you don't go after somebody's girl. Yeah. Or even like an ex girlfriend. I think women's friendships change over time, though. It's very superficial, I would say, as girls, where the things we talk about really aren't that meaningful. Maybe we talk about our feelings a little bit, but I feel like by the time we're adults and we know who we are, that we're, and we've had some experience other than just being in school, that we have more to share and compare notes about. And we have shared painful experiences. I was going to ask, are these, are you bonding over war stories? A lot of times, yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, and that comes up in this immediate connection that I've noticed I started having with women as I became more senior in my profession. So when I was a lawyer, I got to a point where I was a partner. There weren't that many female partners in patent litigation. And when I encountered another one, it was like we were instant friends. Hmm. There was no getting to know you period. It was just like, I have a connection with you. I know that you have had an experience similar to mine. I don't even need to ask you if you have. I know that you have. Yeah. And it, it was nice, actually. It's like somebody saw you without you having to say, oh, I've been through a lot. Mm-hmm. They saw your experience right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And it seems on the flip side that men could be bonding over the man box. I think we do. And there are a set of rules that, that guys abide by that um, I think there's some safety and there are some positive aspects of how guys conduct themselves and the accountability that guys hold one another to. Hmm. What do you mean held accountable? Like for what? What's an example? So growing up, you never spoke behind someone's back, another guy's Hmm. back. If they found out, you better be ready to back it up. Um, and we all learned that, like, don't open your mouth, like, don't have somebody's name in your mouth that, you know, you're, you're, they will come after you. Mm-hmm. And that kept a level of civility these days. There's so many areas in life that, uh, I see people acting in a way that, and men acting in a way where I'm like, man, you have not been held accountable for any of this. Mm-hmm. I just, I felt that there was more accountability and people kind of watched what they said around one another. Now it's just wide open. 
but men do, they work it out with one another. It's, it's totally against the rules to go to somebody else. I feel like those are two differences between male friendship and female friendship, at mm-hmm. least as I look back on maybe high school and college years. Um, for girls, there's the general thought that you are not supposed to talk about someone behind their back, and yet that's like the currency of mm-hmm. female friendship yeah. in in school days is who has the information and how do they use it. And I think that's a status thing. Like if you're the keeper, if people are sharing their things with you, then you have that status and you choose how that's used, which is terrible and such a breach of trust. And then the other piece that I think is different is at least back then, I think it's different as adults, but back then you didn't talk to someone directly you talked about them to someone else and why didn't not, and didn't why? didn't deal with it directly which creates why? this passive aggressiveness that gets what so ingrained i don't know why are you scared about what am i scared you. about <laughs> you being all women let me rephrase what are women scared about i think it's that we're taught to not be direct hmm. that we're taught to not directly hurt someone's feelings or hurt someone like we talked in one of our last episodes about the the uptick that women's voices have and I postulated with some support out there that it it's because it's a less direct or less uh, threatening way of interacting with someone who maybe has more power Mm -hmm. and I think we learn that early to not be direct, which creates a lot of dysfunctional ways of interacting that I think are hard to overcome. And for me, I went through a number of bad friendships as a teenager and then just decided I don't need to be friends with girls and I didn't seek out, I mean, I had good friends in college, but I have very few close female friendships because I think I was so scarred early on with Mm -hmm. my experiences with other girls in high school and junior high school and elementary school that I'd rather hang out with the guys. And maybe, maybe it's what you suggested that I wasn't sharing vulnerability. Maybe I got burned early and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And you don't have to share that with guys. You can just hang out and play sports with guys, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Yep. Were you raised to be forthcoming? Like, was your dad open to you speaking your mind and um, questioning him? Um, no. <laughs> I don't think I... It's Where did weird. it come I, from? I was taught to respect authority, and yet... I don't have a distinct impression of this, but I was also raised to stand up when something seems wrong, mm. which seems... That's where it comes from. Maybe. Yep. That, that you're, you're supposed to question authority where there's injustice, mm-hmm. but you don't question authority just to question authority. Mm. I think it's a question of safety, that if you feel safe expressing yourself to someone else, then Mm. you can be direct. Mm. But if you 
if you've grown up in a world where whatever you share could be used against you, then you're not going to be inclined to be direct um, with that person. I think one thing that changes, though, is in in school, you have a single community. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have church and other activities, but when you're in school, you have a single community that you can't escape. Yeah. Yeah. And as an adult, like I have um, friendships in different places. Like I'm friends with you and your wife and I'm friends with women that I've met through a particular organization. And I'm friends with women that I met through work and I'm, you know, I have different friendships. And so I don't have the fear that something I share with friend a friend in group a is going to share that with a friend in group b Mm. and i think another factor is as adults we have so little time that we have to select the people that we want to spend that precious time with yeah and i'm not going to pick someone who i can't fully trust Mm -hmm. and so i think maybe we're more careful and we have the ability to select our friends as opposed to being on that island and having you know, 20 people that we can be friends with, and that's it. I think certainly for me, I'm much more selective in where I spend my time. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to hear that um, you know, when we're on that island uh, in school, my parents' advice to me a lot my mom's advice was just ignore them just ignore it i'm like you have no idea i can't ignore it we're on an island you know i see this person Where every single go, day mom? he sits like yeah. next to me oh yeah the the difference is between how guys deal with that and girls deal with that how do guys deal with that they just uh, it it gets physical you just have fights after school they're yeah men and boys learn to be direct with one another and I'm, I'm trying to process, like, when we learn that. But it's part of the man box and the hierarchy of who's who uh, in your school. And if you were to ever get challenged by somebody that you felt was beneath you, mm-hmm. status-wise, it is incumbent upon you to go and sort that out. And what if you are the, you're the beta mm-hmm. and an alpha disrespected you you just take it or do you most take it yeah yeah so that's not very direct no so it's all dependent on the hierarchy yeah um i remember one time i called my mom and she was at work and uh i said mom i had a fight that i was gonna meet this guy at this local park like down the street remember my mom saying, be careful. She didn't talk me out of it. She said, Sam, be careful. Mm. I didn't think twice about it. You know, I was, I didn't call her to tell her, um, and and have her talk me out of it. Like I kind of knew, I just wanted to let her know where I was going to be and what I was going to do. And I think part (laughs) of it was just like, I knew my mom would have no problem with that. If I did, I wouldn't have told her. And I showed up yeah. at the park and the other guy didn't show up. Yeah. Wow. So but that I settled like, it. You know, I was like, okay, yeah. if we're going to do this, let's go do this. Yeah. And uh, he never showed up and he backed off and we went on. Your story also made me think of instead of the 
the fight way of resolving conflict. It was much more passive aggressive. I got shunned in high school. I moved from the basketball team to the soccer team. All of my friends on day zero were the basketball team. And on day one, they shunned me. Traitor. Yeah, and I remember sitting in my English class and they were seated around the room, around, I was like in the middle of the room and I could feel all of them around me and the whole class knew that they were shunning me and no one would talk to me and no one would look at me. And that was the way they communicated to me that I had betrayed our friendship or whatever by switching teams. But I can remember sitting in that class and feeling that shunning and just like wanting to run away. It was horrible. Probably a big turning point. Oh yeah, yeah. And realization that uh, girls can do that. Yeah, I didn't want to go through that again. I don't miss high school at all. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither, me neither. It's not like we were ruled by the alpha male. It's not like there was like a, you know, a shot collar that we were all in fear of. I just think the rules were defined for boys and from what I'm hearing, less so for girls. Yeah, I think just as there are more restrictions in how boys behave and dress and act, there were less restrictions on girls, like you, the, more flexibility in how you can show up. Mm-hmm. I feel like there were pockets of friendship that you could define the rules of your friendship one-on-one. And if you had enough, maybe, strength of character among those two or three people, you could make your friendship whatever it is because no one's going to see that outside of your friendship. No one's going to know what your rules are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's it was as restrictive for girls as it sounds like it was for boys. But there's defaults that you fall into and there's the way that you see other people behaving that there's a lot of conformity in high school and not wanting to be different and not wanting to be called out for being different. And so I could see relationships and friendships conforming to what you perceive to be the norm. But I don't think that it was that restrictive for girls. Hmm. But I feel like adult friendship for the most part, is completely divorced from that. Like, I feel like a lot of women have been able to throw off the shackles of their early friendships if they were negative experiences and chart a different course. There's there's the vulnerability of sharing your feelings. There is the sharing of your you know, personal or home life. There's the sharing of your professional life, if you have one. And those facets make for a much more complex and interesting relationship than being in high school and talking about movies and dances and boys. Mm -hmm. And what I've found is that most of my friends now are very ambitious women and have demanding jobs and are trying to change the world in some way. 
and our friendship is a mix of support and challenge. So it's being that supportive person when, when they need it and um, giving someone a kick in the ass when they need it. And so I think our needs as adults are different from our, our needs from our friendships and what we're able to, to do for each other if we explore the full realm of friendship is pretty profound, actually. Well, I have a question for you. No. We have been talking about the man box. Like you shared last time that you don't have other men that you can just go up and talk to about the man box, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I read about the differences between male and female friendship is that women have a face-to-face friendship and men have a shoulder-to-shoulder friendship, meaning women will you know, spend hours sitting across from each other in a coffee shop and share their feelings and thoughts and dreams and goals and everything. And men will do something together, like watch the game or play a sport. And when you're not face-to-face, you maybe are less likely to have those kinds of vulnerable conversations. Is that true? Is that your experience? How does that show up for men? And is this why men aren't talking about the man box? Because we're shoulder to shoulder? Yeah. Men are less likely to be face to face with one another talking about their feelings because it gets into a very feminine territory. What feminine territory? Like your sexuality would be called into question or that would be the fear for a man to sit opposite another man and say, well, um, and talk about what's going on with you, like really going on with you, what's driving you, what you're feeling. We don't have any experience with that, and we don't feel that it's a possibility because we've been put in check so many times. We're called sissies and and girls and worse than that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it stems from there. That's that's the simple answer. In the back of our heads, we think that doing that is is what pussies do. To be blunt, to be blunt, I'm sorry. And that's why we don't we don't do it. Well, talk about you. talk about anything except that. Yeah. There's there's a big uh, uh, fortress wall about that topic, and um, will always be. And you mentioned the the man conference and the better man conference, and and I'm encouraged to know that there are are people out there that are are knocking those walls down that it at least exists, mm-hmm. and there there are places where you can go and do that. We found out that that's actually happening today. today. <laughs> <laughs> we so found that out last the, night. <laughs> missed the boat on that one, um, but just the fact that I know that it's it's happening is is um, encouraging. Uh, in my own life, in my own friendships, uh, yeah, there there are guys that I can talk to, like my best friend. Um, I can talk to this stuff about, but even even with him, he'll 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 call me out on it, like in a almost a sarcastic way. But there's truth in every jest, and I yeah. know that I'm going into territory that that he doesn't often go. Um, he allows me to do it because I've always done it. But he'll voice like a little jokey protest, hmm. which I move beyond because 
I know he's just being sarcastic, but it does remind me like, oh, not even my best friend I can go there with. And I've known him since we were babies. Wow. Um, So before the man box formed around you. Yeah. And it formed around him in a different way, you know, and I don't, I don't hold it against him. He, in little micro ways, uh, puts me in check. Mm -hmm. But I also know that he accepts me for who I am. I just have a, a different side of myself that other people, have, other men have picked up on that they're like, okay, we can, we can pick on that. Yeah. Taste in music, stuff that you wear, anything that breaks outside the norm, you'll hear about it. And it gets back to like, how much fortitude do you have? Like, how much do you want to be yourself? And the hardest path to walk in life is being yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Having heard so much about the man box from you and the restrictions that are placed on men, it does seem like there's this huge hurdle to try to climb to have that kind of vulnerable conversation with another man. And what I think these conferences are doing is creating a foundation where that's the expectation. Don't even come unless you're prepared to be vulnerable and talk and Mm -hmm. share and explore some different ideas. Mm -hmm. And so you're self-selecting to be in an environment with others who are having the same questions Mm -hmm. and want to get to a different place. And it's hard to create that foundation with friendships that have a history of not having those conversations. I don't even know how you get there other than sharing Unraveling Pink and having an, a, a podcast uh, discussion party. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah. Let's listen to Unraveling Pink and then have a discussion about it. What do you think? Alexa, play episode 97. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dig talking about this stuff. I don't. It's not comfortable. It puts me on my heels. I fumble over almost every other word talking about this stuff. It takes me out of my element. I feel like I'm climbing in and out of the man box like all the time in here. Even in this space, I don't feel like I can completely be myself, you know, like Mm -hmm. there are people listening. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sitting opposite you. Who in their right mind wants to be vulnerable and pick pick at scabs, you know? Um, And I do it. Especially for all to hear. That's hard. Yeah. And... Again, I, I think I do it because I feel like I've been bullied into being this way, right? And I'm attacking back. I'm fighting in my own way back. And the reason why I come back here every week when we're doing this is because I feel like I've been bullied into being somebody that I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought about it in that way. But I think that's a, the reason why I keep doing this. Dude, that's weird. Epiphany. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a path for other men in the same way. Like if, if you are okay with who you are, um, more power to you. But if you feel like you've been bullied into being someone you don't, you don't like or there's sides of you that you don't feel are um, completely authentic or how you started out to be, which... And my estimation is is every man out there, then fight for it, you know? Like, try to get back to 
some semblance of who you who you were, who you started out to be, you know. I feel we're onto something just because of how uncomfortable I feel, you know. Awesome. There are forces actively right now, like preventing me from continuing this conversation. This may just illustrate how different male and female friendship is mm -hmm. because so much of female friendship is sharing who we are and being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And what I heard from you is that that is not at all your experience of male friendship mm -hmm. and that it's so against the man box to do that that it's causing you to want to run away right now. Yeah. That we're even talking about mm -hmm. what would it look like if two men had that kind of vulnerable conversation together. It's not as risky we for me as it is for you. Right. Explain why. Because we're allowed to talk. Women are allowed to talk about these things. Uh -huh. We're expected to be vulnerable. We're expected to express our feelings. And so we get to. Do you know how lucky you guys are? Women, you are super lucky that you get to do that, that you are entitled to do that, that you, that you learn that from a young age. I agree. Well, I probably don't say it enough, but I appreciate that you do this. And I know, I know that the people listening appreciate it. And it's easy to listen and comment and criticize and want more of whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But I know that what you're doing is difficult. And I also know the value it brings to anyone who's listening. Mm -hmm. I think your epiphany has to do with the fact that it's like you not only get to process the man box for yourself, but you're helping other people who haven't processed it. And you're having more of an impact than if you tried to approach it individually, person by person. Yeah. And it's hard to share personal stuff. You and I are both very private people. This is a really crazy thing for us to be doing mm -hmm. when we both probably would like to just live our lives without anyone really knowing what we do with ourselves. Yeah. So it's a huge sacrifice, and I appreciate that you have taken that on and have come back and keep talking about it. Thank you, as always, for listening. 